Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I'm Andrew Comero, an autistic certified financial planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey, Eileen. Hey, everyone. I'm Eileen Lamb, and in this podcast, we want to highlight real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but real people talking about their boring life. Basically, we want to give a voice to people like us. Today, our guest is Chloe Rothschild. Chloe is a young adult with autism who is on a mission to advocate and teach others about autism from her perspective. Chloe is one of the co-authors of my Interception Workbook for Teens, Adolescents, and Adults. She also serves on the ARC of the United States National Board and the Ohio Center for Autism and Low Incidence, also known as OCALI, Advisory Board. Chloe works as a teacher's aide at an autism school three days a week. When Chloe is not presenting or working, she enjoys spending time with her friends, family, participating in adaptive ice skating and dog agility for individuals with autism. So one of the first things that we like to ask our guests is how they prefer to be identified, uh, she, her, and also if you have an identity language preference, person with autism, autistic, Etc. She, her, and either is fine with the other. I don't care. <laughs> okay, so you posted an anonymous blog, anonymous blog on Autism Speaks, as someone who receives a BA. <laughs> why did you post uh, anonymous then, and why are you comfortable sharing your story publicly now? We did offer you anonymity initially if you wanted to, but you said it was fine. Because when I wrote that blog, I wanted to share my voice and my story about ABA, specifically my experience with it as an adult with autism. But a huge part of me was pretty fearful of what people might say because I've seen it and because this topic is such a sensitive one in the autism community. I was trying to protect myself from hateful comments and conflict. I know that those comments can be hard for me to read, so I was trying to prevent it. But after I posted that blog, I saw more and more being said about ABA. And I kind of couldn't be anonymous anymore because I just was so moved to tell my story and how it has positively impacted me. And it, I feel that's important. And I've been asked to participate in other projects, et cetera. And I just, just decided that this being an anonymous thing wasn't going to last. So we might as well just end it. I think it's so brave that, that you, you did that because I know how hard it can be to be on social media reading those comments. So, so thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for posting about Charlie and ABA. I think that's what really got me going. Oh, that's, that's good to hear. I love your perspective because, you know, you're the one, you're the adult and you're in ABA and you can tell it from your first per person perspective, which is, you know, a criticism we hear a lot on social media. It's like, I don't want to hear from the parent. I want to hear from the person doing ABA. And that's what you, you have to give. And that's why I really love your, your story. And I'm so happy you're, you're sharing it. Now, I am somebody who has never been through ABA. I don't have a, a child who has been through ABA. And you know, trying to understand it, 
I've seen, you know, two sides. I've seen complicated medical terminology. I, I think I got like a short book I, I tried to read when I was diagnosed to try to figure it out. I couldn't understand it that well. Um, and or and that's one side. The, the side two is it's torturous gay conversion therapy, you know, meant to make an autistic act neurotypical. And but that doesn't necessarily explain what it is. So could you explain what ABA is from your perspective? Yeah, from my perspective, it's definitely not trying to fix who I am. It's trying to make it so that I can live life to the fullest and be the most successful that I I can be. It's not trying to fix or cure me at all in my experience. My BCBA and I have even talked about masking. She takes my concerns pretty highly and we talk about them. Um, So for me, I kind of consider like a lot of the strategies that are used in ABA are used in everyday life, even for those that aren't autistic. For example, reinforcement. Well, when you work, you get paid. Uh, If you do something hard, chances are you may treat yourself to coffee if you're having a hard day or whatnot. So just like reinforcements used in ABA, it's used for those without autism. And the antecedent behavior and consequence, that's used regardless. It's just the way of life. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize that ABA is everywhere. Like a lot of our interactions in our daily life are not ABA based, but are something that you would see in ABA, you know, like smiling uh, at someone is in a way like a positive reinforcement. And that's what's used in, in ABA. Um, so you have been receiving ABA services for many years. And however, you were an advocate before beforehand. Can you tell us what you felt you knew about ABA before receiving it? Yeah, not super sure on this one, but I know I knew it could be helpful, but that it could also be controversial. After I exited school age services, I wanted a team who knew what they were doing. And I know sometimes adult services can be a little rocky. Um, so, and I wanted someone who knew autism. So I exited school age services from an autism charter school, which had a BCBA on staff. I spent two and a half years there. I didn't always agree with everything, but I learned a lot. And I think he did too. In my mind, an autism clinic meant they may understand a little better. And my ABA clinic is also a direct support service provider for the waiver in my state and my county for those with disabilities. So when I started, I I worked on life skills and social skills, things like that. So my parents and I met with the BCBA and it, it just clicked. It felt like it was the place for me. Um, I felt like she got it after discussing with, with her, et cetera. I also love the staff I work with, and they're open to hearing my voice and opinions. And my autistic identity is respected 
And I think it's, it's important to note that I'm doing this because I love learning and making progress. I come home from the clinic or finish working with the therapist and I'm so happy and I look forward to them coming. Mm. That's amazing to hear. And I'm someone who was traumatized from a summer camp experience. So I think it's just important that we recognize that it can happen anywhere and that individuals and their caregivers and guardians need to really look for signs that something's not right. And if something's not right, they need to take action. Like if the clinic won't let you observe pre-COVID and won't let you be involved, that should be a red light that something's wrong. What what other uh, red flags can you think uh, of? If, if the individual comes home with marks and bruises, if um, plans are not being followed, uh, lack of communication, um, th those are just some that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, a therapist who's always on their phone, uh, th things like that. And I think it's important to note that there can It can be a clinic or a therapist that doesn't work for your, for your family, but it, that's not just with ABA. That's with any kind of therapy or any kind of anything. So how do you feel about the neurodiversity movement? And Eileen and I were having especially a lot of conversations about this over the past week, uh, more so than even usual. And, you know, do you think that, you know, one can be positive about being autistic, you know, choose to see the positives, yet at the same time, you know, admit they need support. It seems like you, there has to be one side. And I feel like they're not mutually exclusive. Like I can say that I, I see some parts as a strength. And, you know, I want and I'm positive about, you know, myself and neurodiversity. But at the same time, you know, I definitely, you know, need support too. And it's not all perfect. It's not the world's fault for being unable to accommodate me, right? Yeah, I feel like um, the world has a and society have a long way to, way to go in terms of support. And I, but I also feel like, and I'm grateful that I've been able to see it grow over the years, because when I was younger, there was next to nothing. Um, I'm sure there was some, but it, it wasn't, it couldn't have been great. Um, but I think for sure one can be positive. I think one can be positive about being autistic and still realistic and get and need support. It's not wrong to ask for help. After all, needing help and support is very human in nature, right? All humans need support of some kind to succeed, live, love their best life, and flourish. This isn't about fixing who one is, but it's about helping individuals be successful and getting whatever support they may need to do so. It's not, not about changing them, and it shouldn't be about changing them if it is. And what, whatever support this may be, let's not judge for what an individual and their team or their parents choose. Instead, we should just be supportive. 
I mean, if people don't ask our opinion, we shouldn't give it. Yeah, yeah that's if you don't have anything nice to say. Just don't say it. Right. Yeah, on social media, that's a hard rule to apply. But yeah, that would be ideal. I agree. I have a friend who told me one thing, like, don't read the comments. Just don't. Oh, it's so hard. It's I hard. feel like that's something that's easier said than done, yes, right? It's so hard. Like, oh. you know, even when I wrote that blog anonymously, I'm so guilty of still looking at the comments. So it really didn't matter that I published anonymously because it defeated the purpose. And and this wasn't one of our, our questions, but were there any comments that stuck out to you, like a positive or, or, or negative? Not specifically. Um I, I haven't looked back on it, but I will say, like, as I've shared my story more, like, I'm, people have been, even if they don't agree, I'm glad that we, we can respectfully disagree and that they can at least agree on the fact that I'm just telling my personal story. I'm not taking a side for the whole world here because I'm one person and I can't change everything yeah that's exactly how it should be you're telling your story you're talking for yourself you're not speaking for the entire community and you don't you know you don't claim you are and you know if everyone was able to do what you do tell their own story without trying to speak on behalf of the entire community i think it would be a lot nicer but unfortunately we're not there and i think we also need to accept that things change with time mm -hmm. and it, it's no longer 1980s or 1990s. We're in 2022 and things are changing in a wide variety of fields. And we have to be open-minded to forgiving some things that happened in, 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 in the past. And I know it's hard if you've been the one traumatized by it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those who, haven't been yeah and there are a lot of people who haven't been in aba and have very strong opinions about it uh, i mean i've seen people or parents or whoever post that they think aba should be illegal yeah, yeah it's torture yeah dog training torture and it, that stuff is hard to hear and i will say i've repeated back to my bcba you're the good ABA, right? Not the dog training. And mm -hmm. it's so hard to even know that I know that and that I have to hear and read that. Although one would think when I see the trigger warning and it says ABA, I just keep scrolling, but that's totally not me. So you're involved with some great organization. We're talking about O'Kelly before and National Arc Board. Yeah, How does being involved with the ARC impact your autism advocacy? Also, can you tell people what it stands for? Well, we actually just go by the ARC uh, and we, we help individuals and their families with intellectual and developmental disabilities, but we are not an acronym now. Oh. And, and we have not been an acronym for at least the two to three years that I've been on the board. I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's because the acronym used to stand for something 
that, you know, but things have changed, right? Organizations can change, right? And I think they have. And I will say I am not the only individual with a developmental disability on their board. Okay, Andrew just told told me what a what it used to be. Yes. Now do you know why it's not that? No. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, it was almost a trick question yes, to Eileen because I, I I don't think she knew. So, um, but the you know the arc. I mean, it, it maybe it's part of you know the advocacy of of like you on the board. I've seen some other good. I've seen them sharing and doing lots of really great work. Um, it really seems like, but, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the ARC has a lot of, you know, intellectual developmental, again, it's a, it's a, there's more range of disabilities. So you're seeing a, let's call it like a wider range. Do you think that's influenced your perspective on support individuals might need? Honestly, I think my perspective is a unique one that was kind of just kind of came about how I I was raised. And from the beginning, I've been friends with individuals with various disabilities. And I know individuals who need a various range of support. And that's just been how it is. And in my mind, that's just how it works. Like, I don't think I know it any different. Can you tell us so, about uh, negative experiences you've had with ABA and uh, what actions were taken to make things better? Like you were talking earlier about uh, masking and how, you know, you're upfront with your BCBA and all of that. So Yeah. So not really negative, but one time staffing didn't work. So we fixed it. Um, but the same thing with how a situation was handled but it was immediately fixed and a plan was written up immediately. Um, My BCBA, here's my parents and I, and values my opinions. And I'm really grateful for that. I just like change. And so sometimes I can be apprehensive, but I need to be pushed outside my comfort zone. So sometimes I may really dislike it at first, but eventually when we get the right tools and supports and accommodations in place, I usually end up turning around and doing okay. But when that doesn't happen, we think to ourselves, how can we make this better? Um, I mean, misunderstandings sometimes can happen or communication errors, but sometimes some of that's light. We've adjusted and changed programs and added tools and supports as needed and listened to what I've had to say and compromised. We're teaching me how to say, hey, I need more support today, or can we compromise? So that's something that, that my BCBA really values teaching me and understands. Now, now, and I'm, when I mean you, I mean like, so let's say me, right? Or just like, you know, an individual. So you were diagnosed when you were younger. Like you said, you, you didn't know any different. And I mean, on one hand, I didn't know any different. Um, but then I kind of learned. It, it, there's definitely a different experience, you know, being diagnosed as an adult versus younger. And when you're diagnosed as an adult, 
you know, you're looking for a community, you know, who's like you. And there was recently somebody I respected who was who said, but I never see anything positive about ABA, right? And they said, I've never spoken to anyone who had a positive experience. And, you know, there it was a smart, you know, professional woman. And so why do you think there is so little, you know, easy to read, like one of my first questions, information about ABA, you know, out there? Why is it, you know, an adult is diagnosed and, you know, the only information they find is negative if there are positives to it? I think some of it has to do with the fact that um, when that a lot of individuals did it when they were younger and right now a lot of times when we think ABA we tend to think as a a society preschool or early intervention so that would mean that these individuals received it so long ago and I feel like maybe different approaches maybe than what are being done now, we're done. Therefore, it's more negative. And some of of these adults who've had positive experiences may not write about it, may not be able to write about it, et cetera. So for a variety of reasons. Um, And yeah. Well, we appreciate you. We know how hard it was to be able to speak about it, to be able to write about it, and be able to talk for the people who, you know, can't or, you know, uh, find it very difficult. And I think maybe not many people have done it as an adult yet, because I will say it's super hard to find a provider um, who knows how to work with adults or who's even willing to work with with uh, 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 adults in our in my town, my BCBA is her mom and pop clinic is the only one, and it's not. It was not what she really started doing, but now she has three adults that she's supporting. No, oh, that's so cool. And it, it kind of began with me, but um. I love that she's doing it because it was much needed. We have three or four programs that support under the age of six or one that supports up into the teens, but we, there is no ABA program locally besides her little clinic that can only support so many individuals that will consider supporting an adult, which is kind of hard. Yeah. No, you're right. It's, uh, I feel like in big cities, for instance, where I am in Austin, in Texas, there are so many ABA providers, but I hear from some of my followers who are like in smaller cities and it's like incredibly hard to find a place and then to find a good place and then yeah. to find a place without, you know, a two year wedding list, basically in some of these. But I will say that for adults, like my experience finding a place, an occupational therapist took two years for someone who would work with an adult. So I 
it's not just ABA that's hard to come by. It's anything because after pediatrics at this point, we are not yet in a place where we realize that individuals with autism still need the similar supports to when they were younger at a time when their world is like changing the most. Yeah, I think that's something that we should advocate advocate for, you know, more accessible therapies for adults. Um, yeah, and doctors, I mean, in, individuals with autism deserve healthcare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We sure do. And healthcare that is quality and someone that understands, not someone who you, you walk in and they're completely clueless. So here's a, one of my, my concerns about ABA. It's that, um, you know, we see ABA everywhere, right? And yeah. it's, not, it's not going away. But uh, I'm afraid that all of the nice people are, you know, in the caring individual are seeing all that's being said on, on social media and that they are just not going to want to choose a career in ABA because of everything they, they see they see and you know how ABA is torture and this or that and I feel like as a community we are in danger of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy meaning like we're gonna make that happen with how we're acting towards ABA that makes sense and I also worry about um the messages that we may be sending to um families who are newly diagnosed or individuals who may be thinking about ABA because now we have them scared of it. But I also think that many different protocols can be used when doing ABA and it's not a one size fits all necessarily. It's not, definitely. So how can we bring the community closer together? The way I feel is a therapy that has obviously helped you. Um, when I'm working with clients, again, um, financially, you know, I talk about what something does for somebody, not what something is. Uh, the three of us were in a, uh, a group together for some research, something un unrelated, And I believe somebody in the group was not a, I had a belief that they would not have been a fan of ABA. And when you explained it, you're like, oh, the person, no, that, that makes sense. You know? So I think it's, you know, how do we get over what something's called versus, you know, what something does for you? Because that should matter more than the acronyms, but, you know, Medicaid, and insurance don't share in those opinions, right? We can't, it's not as simple to just change that as I'm sure you know with a lot of the advocacy work that you do. Some of this, sometimes you have to play the name game to get what you need covered. And it's, it's sad, it shouldn't be that way, but I don't care what it's called, but if it's helpful, I want it covered and it, It's unfortunate to me that other, other things that help individuals with autism and other therapeutic approaches like floor time or uh, 
I'm trying to think of some of the others. Floor time, teach, the play project may not be covered under insurance and likely aren't, but like one person can't really change that. Um, but I just think the service area is changing though, maybe. And I just want people to give whatever may help their loved ones a chance and be on the lookout and advocate, but also give things a chance for perhaps something may help support them and change their lives positively. And it may not, and don't be afraid to say I'm done, it's not working. And this is for any kind of therapy for whatever it's called. As a parent and or self-advocate, don't hesitate to be involved. In fact, please be involved. Yeah, it's one of the best advice you can give parents, be involved. You know, if you see something you don't like, speak up. If you see something you like, you know, communicate it so it keeps happening. And, Because if uh, you see something you don't like and you don't speak up, it's going to keep happening. Yeah. And it seems so simple, right? But it's uh, really, really important. Uh, why don't you tell us some uh, things that ABA has helped you with? Um, ABA has helped lessen my amount of and in, in, interruptions it really helped pick up the pieces after the covid pandemic getting me back w waiting in lines in 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 the community and when we teach me to wait we did not expect me to sit there still it was okay if i played with a toy or two toys in fact one of my favorite pictures that one of the therapists took is me and i think it's actually the one that we used that that i used for the blog i wrote but it's me with um two my little ponies on top of a trick cereal box and i was acting out some script with, with the ponies but guess what that day i waited 10 minutes to have my my groceries rain up So we don't expect it to be done in a typical way, whatever typical means, but just whatever it can be. Um, we're working now on strategies for perseveration. I've worked on leisure skills and broadening the things I like but that or try, but that doesn't mean that we take away what I like or what I choose. Like, Last week, I chose to work for um, the Laugh and Learn Fisher-Price Lantern, and we're okay with that, but we have also exposed me to things like origami, uh, what else have we, uh, latch hooking, um, uh, uh, other things other things like that, just so I have the exposure. And should I ever want to strike up a conversation with someone on that topic? Um, but we respect what I like. We've also worked on conversational skills um, and, things and things like that. I'm trying to think what else we've... Uh, fl flexibility, when I first started, This journey, I was, if something changed, it was not okay. If they moved the table, it it was, I, I would point it out to you. Recently, they moved the mailboxes and 
at, at the clinic and literally I think it may be one of the first pieces of furniture or toy that's been moved that I did not comment about mm-hmm. in seven years. And some of it's been finding a way to communicate and get the point across to me. For example, if, if I'm really upset, having a whole conversation with me will, will not work. But if you say, is, is this a box one or box two issue? Chances are, I will tell you, box two, all I can control is my own behavior. Because we have just drilled box one and box two into my brain to that point where it's something I understand. Question for you. So you've been advocating for, I mean, a long time. Ten years. You know, that's a long time. I know. And you've been also, again, you, you've known well before that, right? And I, I've received special education since I was like four and a half. So how do you feel about, you know, somebody who's recently diagnosed as of, uh, you know, a week ago, maybe a couple months ago, who then starts making TikTok videos or YouTube channel or, you know, starts to, quote, advocate for autism? Do you think there should be a, what I consider like a waiting period where, you know, um, when somebody's newly diagnosed, they should find somebody like you and learn from someone like you because, yes, they've been autistic their whole life, but they still have a lot to learn. I, I kind of feel like, and some of this is just kind of the way I, I am, but the more the merrier and welcome aboard, come be a part of the community, but that we all need to be a part of a community. We can't just take over. Yeah. And, and what advice could you give to somebody to help them? You know, maybe they don't feel like they're taking over. How can they be a part of the community? Um, connect with others who are on social media uh, and connect with others who have been advocating. And like the Facebook group, Autism Inclusivity, right, Chloe? Yeah. That, that's sarcasm. I'm totally joking. Oh. Can you uh, tell people, I mean, that's optional, but if people want to find you on social media, if you need, yeah. tell them where um, they can find you. So I did not think this through very hard and maybe you know how to change it because you just did. We'll talk later, but um, I'm on Facebook as Chloe Rothschild and it's a public figure page and I'm in a black shirt. Again, it's a page, not a public profile. <laughs> because I named them the same thing without thinking. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. That's same with me. My page is Eileen Lamb on Facebook and my personal profile is Eileen Lamb too. So I, I get it. Yeah, well, nothing like presenting for a group of 500 and then you have like all these friend requests. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also on Instagram at, I'm gonna have to look it up because I just made a public account this weekend. Oh, and, it, well, we can put the links in the podcast episode, right. so don't worry about that. And I am no, I am not as good as Eileen on social media, like not even close. So, so nobody is. So I know. 
It's, it's Chloe Fidget Finds. I like it. Well, part of it happened because, oh, I also have a website, Chloe Rothschild ASD.com. But I'm kind of awful at updating the, the website. So there's that. I feel you. Um, part of the fidget finds came to be because I love you, YouTube, as I'm sure your kids do too, Elaine. Mm-hmm. And I started watching and loving people shopping for fidgets, people doing fidget challenges, people testing fidget challenges. And my dad said to me, like, why are these people the ones reviewing these fidgets? When literally I've used the fidget for the past at least 20 years. And so I finally started reaching out to some companies like, hey, can I try this for you? Like, if we want to test durability, man, I will (laughs) tell you, like, it's only a matter of time before this guy gets broken but this guy I don't think there's a way that I I can break him you're an expert no I think it's a good I'm sure you I'm sure you've seen it with with Charlie some of them he can bust oh yeah sometimes like 30 minutes and yeah like 30 minutes and there's goo everywhere yeah super hard to clean yep yep yeah oh you need to check out foam alive Play Visions sent me some and I was super into it. And it, it reminds me of one of the messy activities that Charlie would like. Some alive? Foam alive. F O A N. And it comes in different colors and it, it's like a foamy texture, but it kind of like the, oh, they yeah. say it like moves. You know what? I have a. I have one uh, downstairs that's unopened that I haven't opened yet because I was I didn't know if it was gonna get everywhere or what. It could get everywhere, but do you have one of those like sensory tray things? Yeah, we used to. We don't anymore, but yeah. Okay. I, they even have them like I think mine came from like Michaels, but you're probably not gonna get get them to contain it in there. <laughs> no. So it's, it's like outdoor one thing that I tried that was super messy is Pluffle. It's by the people who make play foam. It literally got everywhere, everywhere, like everywhere. Was it fun? Not, not fun, fun enough, but this foam alive was super e- easy cleanup. Oh, that's good. But then again, I kept it on the tray, which I know he wouldn't do. A good idea for you, for your uh, your page. You should uh, have uh, several criteria when you review toys, like yeah. to clean, yes, no, and uh, durability, you know, yeah. all of that. And for each toy, that way people, and, and then you can make like yeah. a stretch. Okay, I'm getting super technical, but yeah. No, that's- that would be super cool, except I would oh. have like the executive functioning skills to do that. All right, time for the quick fire questions. So I'm going to ask you a question and you tell me the first answer that comes to your mind. So what is your favorite food or drink? Cupcake. If you could be any animal, fictional or real, what would you choose and why? Unicorn, because they're magical. I had a feeling. 
what is your special interest? Um, this one's hard. Autism or Disney Frozen, maybe? That's good. I, de I definitely like Frozen, but I, I could definitely talk to you autism like all day. What's your favorite? So Elsa autistic. I don't know. I've read some of that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Do you have a favorite quote or saying? And what is the quote and who said it? Uh, not, not that I can quick fire. <laughs> or maybe, maybe the one that I had a doctor tell me that um, when I reached outside my comfort zone is when the best things happen or but it, that that wasn't the exact quote I I don't know what it was that's good though yeah we'll take it well Chloe thank you so much for joining us today it was amazing talking to you and I you know it's it's brave uh to uh to do it with your your name thank you Rem remind me when the remind me of that when the comments come out oh yeah we will <laughs>